morning, everyone. How you doing this morning? Good to see you all here this morning. Welcome to Spring Branch. Hey, um, for those of you uh, who I don't have, haven't had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is JD, and I had the incredible opportunity last week of going on a mission trip to Nicaragua uh, with our students, our, our student ministry, our, and our student ministry director. There were actually 20 of us that went on the trip. Uh, there were 13 students and four adult leaders, and then we had two translators. This is a couple pictures of our of our team, and we just had an incredible time. We stayed at this orphanage um, in, in a place called Casa Bernabeu, and it was just an incredible opportunity. We did a lot of different unique things. One of the things that we did was we actually got to take family photos, family portraits for um, these this, the people in this third world uh, village that the chances of them actually having a photo of their family all together in a frame is, is pretty much unheard of, and so we had the chance to go and print these, and this is the team that got to do that and put these things together. People were dressed up in their best. The, the women all had makeup on. It was just such a cool experience to see these people. They were so excited. When we handed them this photo as well as a Bible, a Spanish Bible, um, man, their eyes just lit up. It was such a cool, a cool thing to, to experience. We also had the chance to do a VBS-style day where we, we took a whole bunch of kids that were a part of a feeding program that uh, this one particular church was, we partnered with this one church and, and we did a VBS, it's kind of like a special day. So they got on a bus and they came to this location, kind of this sports kind of complex thing and we did a, a VBS and we played soccer and we did all sorts of, sorts of cool things. Another cool thing we got to do was um, at the place where we were staying, uh, Casa Bernabeu, there's an orphanage, there's a team center, which is where we stayed, and then there's also a school and one of the rooms in the school is a computer lab and so our students had the opportunity to teach these kids how to use PowerPoint while also working on English, which was really, really cool. Um, and so that, those are a couple of our students, and they, they presented, and then each of the Spanish-speaking kids worked on a PowerPoint with one of our students, and then they each presented their PowerPoint in English, which was really a, a pretty cool thing. People ask me since I've been back uh, just late last week, what was the most amazing part about the trip? And without a doubt, I can say that the most amazing part about the trip was the students from our church that I got to meet during my time on this trip. There were 13 of these students, and I gotta tell you, for those of you who have had influence in their lives, um, you are doing something right. Uh, they had multiple opportunities to have bad attitudes. They had multiple opportunities where things did not go exactly to plan, like uh, on the way home when everybody was already exhausted, and this is the radar that looked like over Miami Airport where we were supposed to fly in. And so we're circling around Miami trying to avoid the lightning. Finally, they, they land us in Palm Springs. We had to sit on the jetway for two hours. We weren't allowed to get off the plane because we had to go through customs. And our students, you would have, they literally, you, they, they made the attitude and the atmosphere on the plane just a better place. I even talked to the flight attendants on the way, on the way out, and they, they were able to point to me which students were ours because they, were, they had that good of an attitude on the way out. They were amazing. A group of our students that went on this trip is sitting right in this front row. You want to give them a huge round of applause. <laughs> <Woo -hoo. laughs> they were amazing. They served um, 
just continuously. We never had to ask them more than one time. Even before we asked, they were on it, serving, playing with a kid, helping someone, whatever, whatever the task was, it didn't matter. They were on top of it. They were inspiring. And so I think that that is a direct connection to the parenting and grandparenting and connection that they have to Spring Branch that shows what type of, of high school students are, are coming out uh, of this church. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Now, today, we were originally supposed to have a guest speaker, but uh, things didn't pan out, and so I learned late last week that I was going to get the nod to come and speak, which was awesome. I was excited about that. And what was ironic about finding out while I was in Nicaragua that I was going to be speaking was that, we, that I was asked to talk specifically about baptism. And um, this was ironic because our mission team throughout the, the week, for, some, for whatever reason, the, the topic of water kept coming up over and over and over again in discussion. Like before we even left for the trip, during the trip, and even after the trip, how we were reminded repeatedly, never drink the Nicaraguan water. Only drink filtered water because your stomachs can't handle it. You, you know, it's, it's just, it will not end up good for you. So make sure you avoid drinking the water. So we were reminded of that over and over again. Then there was a time um, that we had what we call a porch time, which is an evening time, a debrief time with, with just our team. And it, it came up over and over just how dusty and dirty everyone was every day. In fact, we have a picture. This is an actual picture of our kids' feet. Um, those Nike socks are not meant to have that design on them. They were white to begin with, and now they look like that. And the, the connection that we had to water was everyone talked about how when they got a shower, they could visibly see the dirt and grime wash away because of the water down the drain and how when we're in the States, a lot of times it's nice to have a shower and it feels good to have a shower, but you don't see the effects that a shower can have a lot of times. Well, here in this dusty place, we got to see the effects every single day because of the dust that was all around us. Another example is one night we did a foot washing ceremony, which was a very emotional experience for, for many of our students and leaders. Um, and, it, and it was based off of the example of Jesus bending down the night before he was betrayed. He washed his disciples' feet as the ultimate example of being a servant to other people. And so we had the opportunity to wash one another's feet. And so that was another example of just water. I, I don't know, water just kind of kept coming up. And, and the last example I can think of where water kept coming up was what I like to call the quote of the week. If you've ever been on a mission trip, or if you've ever um, been on a, like a, a, an extended vacation with a, a group of people, your family, almost always there's that one thing that somebody says that's just hilarious and like never, they never live it down and everybody makes fun of it the rest of the week or they, or they say that quote the rest of the week. Well, our quote of the week happened whenever we were at VBS. Um, it was kind of getting toward uh, the middle, toward the end of the, the week. And I was facilitating a game with some of our students, and then there was a large group of these Nicaraguan students who didn't speak any English. And so we had a translator with us. His name is Cairo. Here's a picture of Cairo. Cairo was an awesome guy. Um, he spoke really, really good English, uh, but he, he has this Nicaraguan English accent. Um, and so basically what would happen was I was given directions to this game, and he would immediately, after each sentence, uh, translate what I was saying. And so I would say, I would give directions, and he'd go, blah, 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 and I'd say something, and he'd go, blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm sorry, I'm not making fun of the Spanish language. If you just ask these guys, I cannot speak Spanish at all. Like, I know nothing, nothing at all. So I'm given direction, and he's rapid fire, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I said, 
say, okay guys, this game is gonna be a water game. Is everybody okay with getting wet? And he turns to the kids to say what I just said and he paused and he looks back at me and he goes, it's okay. They kids, they get wet, they play. And it was just so funny because like he, he exactly word for word repeated what I said. And then I, I say that and he's like, ah, it's okay. They kids. And so the rest of the week, Anytime something would happen with our students that didn't go exactly to plan, somebody would inevitably say, ah, it's okay, we keys, we get wet, we adjust. Like, and it just over, I mean, a hundred times we, we said the same thing. It was so funny. And um, maybe it was just a coincidence, but just after that, all these different examples where I talked about water, thought about water, I get this uh, message that, hey, we'd like you to speak this Sunday about baptism, about water. And maybe it's just a coincidence, but it was odd. You know, it was odd that, that I had all these different thoughts about, about water. So during the remainder of our time today, I, I want to focus in on some scriptures and take a look at what exactly is the meaning uh, in the Christian faith about getting dunked underwater and coming back, a thing that we call baptism. What is the importance of it? Maybe you're here today and you're not really um, a churchgoer. You've maybe never really been a churchgoer, but you're kind of testing it out for the first time or you're new to uh, the faith and you don't really even know what baptism is or what it represents. Um, so I think today will be important for you, but it'll also be important for those of you who maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you might think to yourself, you know, I, I live a Christian life. I really do believe that Jesus is the savior of the world and he died for my sins. And I try and read my Bible and I try and pray, you know, on a daily basis. I even, I even try and reach out to people in need. Maybe you've even been on a mission trip, but you've never been baptized or you don't remember being baptized, maybe. And um, so a question that you might be asking yourself is this. As a Christian, is it necessary for me to get baptized? As a Christian, is it necessary for me to get baptized? Now, this is especially important for me to be abundantly clear on, on the value of baptism because tonight, as you heard before, um, at 40th Street, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna go down to the oceanfront and we're gonna have a baptism. And anyone that once you understand, if you understand what the purpose of baptism is and you wanna get baptized, anyone in this room or any of your friends can come and get baptized down in the ocean. It'll be a really powerful experience tonight. Um, and so I wanna be really clear on is it important, you know, is it necessary for us as Christians to get baptized? Well, in short, the answer to this question can be found in Romans chapter six, verses three, four, three through four. Let me read it to you. It says, or have you forgotten that when we, when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So you see over and over again, the word baptism is used, that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism. We died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And then we were raised in glory, just as Jesus was raised from the dead in baptism. Let me just tell you something, that a lot of times um, when it comes to religion, many of us, we, we wanna keep that uh, private. We wanna keep it private because it's, it's, a, it's personal. It's between us and God, that, that relationship that we have. And there is absolutely no doubt about it that our relationship is meant to be personal. But our faith in Christ, if you are a Christ follower, was never meant to be private. It was meant to be personal. It was never meant to be private. And so baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision because our faith is personal 
but it was never meant to be private. And as it says in Romans 6, the, the process, if you've ever wondered, like, it's kind of weird, it's a little bit strange, why do you dunk someone under the water? Well, let, let me kind of explain it. In, in the video uh, a little bit ago, you saw it, but this is also a good image. Um, the idea is, is just as, as Romans 6, 3 through 4 says, um, we acknowledge that before Christ, we were dead. We were dead to, because of our sin, because of our separation from God. But because we've accepted Jesus, we were buried with Jesus. You know, he died and, and went to the tomb and, and, and spent three days there. We were dead and we were buried. But because of accepting Jesus as our Savior, we come back out of that water, a new being, a new creation. The old has passed away. The new is here, all as a result of what Jesus did for us on the cross and a result of what he did after being on that cross, and that is overcoming death. Amazing. Now, I want to tell you a story about a guy from the Bible. His name is Crispus. And the reason why Crispus' story is so impressive and interesting is because he was a leader in a synagogue in the city of Corinth um, who, uh, who, who met, some, who met uh, Peter, I'm sorry, Paul, and who was converted to Christianity. Now, the reason why this is such a big deal is because um, uh, Crispus was a leader in the synagogue. And so to, to make a comparison, it would be kind of like you hearing this message from me uh, today about Christian baptism and being a Christian, and then you finding out like through social media or seeing me on the street that I, that I had uh, since become Islamic. I mean, it would be that much of a transition. Like that, that was, it was that big of a deal. So I wanna read to you Acts 18, verse eight, and this is the story of Crispus. And then I wanna do a little illustration that I hopefully, hopefully will help it stick with all of us. Here's what it says. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. In the Lord, Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. So what we see here is that Crispus is a leader in a synagogue. So there was one temple, which was found in Jerusalem, but every town in the Jewish culture had a synagogue. He was the leader of this synagogue. For him to say that he was gonna start following Christ meant that he was gonna stop being a Jew because Jewish people, they believe in the God of the Old Testament, but they don't believe that Jesus came as the Messiah, that he came to save the world. So there are Jewish people today that still believe the same Old Testament that I believe, but they don't believe the New Testament, which is that Jesus came as the Messiah, the savior of the world. And so when Crispus accepts Christ, we see that he had incredible influence. He and Paul had incredible influence because we learn that not only did he um, accept Christ, but his household believed, and also many others became believers. And then the verse ends by saying, after they believed, what happened? They were baptized. They were baptized. That's right. And so I want to do an illustration for you that I hope uh, will help stick, and hopefully this will be a memorable illustration. Uh, here comes Casey. Everybody give Casey a big round of applause. He's bringing out some Krispy Kreme donuts. And what are you doing there? Having a donut. All right. Yep. Thank you. Very nice. He's bringing out Krispy Kreme donuts. And whenever I, I was trying to think of an analogy, and I've seen pastors talk about this, and I was like, this is, this is a good analogy for this Acts 18.8 verse about Crispus. I'm connecting Crispus to Krispy Kreme donuts. So maybe you can think of it as like Crispus Kreme donuts. So um, forget I even said that. Um, so in case you're wondering why I didn't use like duck donuts, some of you are duck, you know, like, where are my duck donuts people? You know, like, oh uh, yeah, so I get it. I hear you. I, I hear you. There, there's some validity to that. But 
for the sense, for the, for the case of the analogy, Krispis Kreme donuts, okay? So Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme donuts. So he, here's what I wanna explain to you. Um, as I'm explaining this illustration, I want you to forget that there are calories and sugar in Krispy Kreme donuts, okay? Because if you do, it'll just ruin the illustration, okay? So just forget about it. But I wanna tell you the secret or the ingredients or the, the process of becoming a Krispy Kreme donut. And I wanna make a comparison to Christianity. So Krispy Kreme donuts, here's how they're made. First, the dough is formed into a donut, okay? Then the next step is that donut is dropped into hot grease, and at some point in the process, that donut is flipped 180 degrees onto the other side of the donut. And then it is put on a conveyor belt for the final little bit, which is that delicious part of going and being completely immersed under the icing, which is the part that you and I all love. And it's that final step that a Krispy Kreme donut goes through before it is sent out in a box to you and to me. And so... Um, if I told you, if I called you up or if I knocked on your door and I said, hey, um, I want to give you a present. I have some Krispy Kreme donuts for you. You'd probably be like, all right, that's, I'll take that. I'm a duck donut guy, but I'll take Krispy Kreme. You know, like, and, and so you would probably say, all right. But if you opened it up and, and you saw that they were not yet glazed, they were unglazed donuts, um, you would probably be pretty upset. You'd probably be like, it doesn't, it doesn't taste quite right. Here's, here's my point. The process of a Krispy Kreme donut becoming a Krispy Kreme donut is similar to the process of what happens when we decide to become a Christ follower. First, we are all raw materials, okay? And God, he forms us and he shapes us. And at some point in our lives, he introduces us to his grace and we do a 180. We flip in another direction and we decide we're no longer gonna be the way we were. We're gonna flip into a different direction. And then as a final step, after we believe, and we turn away and believe in him, then he asks us to be immersed in the waters of baptism, just like the icing of a Krispy Kreme donut. And then we are ready to be sent out into the world. Do you see the comparison? Now, the glaze, listen, this is very important. The glaze does not make a Krispy Kreme donut a Krispy Kreme donut. However, it is very hard to recognize a Krispy Kreme donut without the glaze. The glaze does not make a Krispy Kreme donut a Krispy Kreme donut. However, it is very hard to recognize the Krispy Kreme donut without that. Doesn't that just, oh my goodness, just. Baptism doesn't make you a Christ follower. But it is commanded, it is anticipated, it is expected as a next step that we are to take after we believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. It's the same thing. Doesn't make us a Christian, but it is an expected part of being a Christian. So today, as we talk about baptism, unlike a Krispy Kreme donut, who doesn't have a choice whether or not it's gonna go under the conveyor belt and get immersed or baptized in the icing. By the way, that word baptized, um, that, we think of that as a religious word, but the original word for baptized just means to be submerged or dunked or, or covered with something. And so whenever you think of it, it, it really is being baptized in icing. Well, that Krispy Kreme donut doesn't have much of a choice. It can't say, wait a second, I don't wanna go under the icing. You know, like we have a choice, right? We have a choice of whether or not we want to go under the water of baptism. And that's the challenge today. If you're a Christ follower, are you willing to take that step 
of getting baptized under the water and acknowledging that Jesus is the Savior of the world and saying that I'm not ashamed of that to the rest of the world. So, in Acts 18, Crispus was baptized. We just read about that. But to further illustrate the importance of baptism, in the very next chapter, chapter 19, the Apostle Paul travels to Ephesus, okay? And he finds out that there is a group of Christians who has not yet been baptized. So he finds out they believe in Jesus, but they haven't been baptized yet. And so you wanna know the very first thing that he has them do? He has them go and get baptized. Because it's an outward expression of an inward decision because it's, it's personal, but it's not private. Our faith is personal, but it's not private. You see, a Krispy Kreme donut that isn't baptized in the sweet glaze isn't the finished product that the Krispy Kreme donut owner of a restaurant wants. Why? Because it's unfinished. It doesn't have the glaze on it. Likewise, according to the New Testament, a Christ follower, someone who believes that Jesus is the Savior of the world, who is not immersed in the waters of baptism, isn't the finished product our owner wants before he sends us out into the world. Does that make sense? There are two things that I want you to remember about an unglazed Krispy Kreme donut. Number one is you wouldn't recognize it without the glaze. It could be any old donut. But even if you haven't had a Krispy Kreme donut in 10 years, I bet you if you sunk your teeth into a Krispy Kreme donut, if you tasted that glaze, you'd be like, that is a Krispy Kreme donut. You recognize it, but you wouldn't without the glaze. The second thing about an unglazed Krispy Kreme donut is that that is not how its creator intended it to be. The creator of Krispy Kreme donuts never thought, I'm gonna end before I run it through the glaze. No. He said, I want the glaze because that's the finished product before I send it out. The whole point of this illustration is to remind us of this, that if we are a Christ follower, the intention is for you and for me to be baptized because it is one of the recognizable features of a Christ follower. In fact, there's no place in the New Testament in the first century ever you can't find one in the New Testament scripture where someone, it says that someone believed in Jesus and was baptized. Always, it, those two come together. Never was it just they believed and they never mentioned baptism. They always mentioned they believed and they were baptized. I wanna take a look at uh, Acts chapter two, verse 14. But before I do, I got some, I got some people over here that I think might, might do you think maybe, they, you guys want these maybe? Come on up, here, take these donuts and you guys share them. Yum. All right. Oh, here's some napkins. I meant, I meant to give these to you too. You're gonna need them. A lot of glaze. A lot of glaze. So hey, let's take a look at Acts chapter two, verse 14. Before I, set this, before I get into the scripture, let me set it up for you. This, this verse, this, this chapter, um, happened just weeks after Jesus ascended into heaven. So he, he died on the cross, he was buried, he comes back to life, he spends some time on earth, and then he ascends into heaven. This verse happened right about that time, about a few weeks after uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. It's one of the three busiest times in Jerusalem. It was during one of their three major feasts. It was called the Feast of Weeks. Um, and so during this feast, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, of Jews would have been in this city at this time. And in an impromptu moment, 
the apostle Peter gives the very first sermon to the new church. Jesus had given lots of sermons, but he's, he's now ascended into heaven. He promised he's gonna send a helper known as the Holy Spirit who's gonna be able to live inside of us so that we don't have to go to some temple or go to some priest to, to have a connection with God. He's gonna send us the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but Peter is about to explain the Holy Spirit to them in this sermon, okay? And, and he, he steps out in front of this huge, huge group of people. And here's what he says in Acts 2, verse 14. It says this. Then Peter stepped forward with the, other, with, the, with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Then skipping ahead to verse 22, he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. See, these people were in Jerusalem. They would have Many of them probably saw Jesus die on the cross. They would have definitely heard of the miracles and wonders and just the amazing things that he had done. These, he, there would have been a buzz around the area that not only did this guy do all these amazing things, but he died and then he done come up out of the grave. And they're like, what is going on? Okay, so they would have known what happened. And then it says in verse 23, but God knew what would happen. And, he and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. He's pointing at these people saying, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Very powerful. The point of this message, the point of this, this little part of his message was the acknowledgement that Jesus did indeed die. As I mentioned, they would have known this. They, would have, they, they, they came from all the surrounding areas for this one festival. They would have known that Jesus um, had died on a cross. It would, have, it would have spread like wildfire across all of these communities. Um, and now for the first time, one of Jesus' followers is publicly addressing an audience. And, and, and he comes before them. And there are really two themes that Peter shares in this message. And I wanna be very clear because these are so important to understand the Christian faith and they're also important to understand the importance of baptism. Here's what he said, the two themes that Peter shares in this passage. Number one, you killed him. Jewish people, you killed him. They, they might've been like, listen, I wasn't even there, okay? I heard about it. And he's like, yeah, I know, but listen, your sins killed him. And they'd have been like, oh. Have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie The Passion of the Christ? If you've seen that movie, um, the part where Jesus is about to get his hands nailed and his feet nailed to the cross, the actor that did that was not actually an actor from the movie or a special uh, hand effect person. It was actually the director of the movie, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's hands are the ones that pounded the nails into Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet because he wanted to remind himself that he nailed Jesus to the cross. That it was a result of his sin. Yeah, the Romans helped, the Romans perfected the crucifixion and all that, and they, yeah, technically they were involved with the whole thing, but it was all of us who nailed him to the cross. So that's the first theme to remember, is that Peter's saying, listen, you killed him. And that doesn't just mean for them, that means for us too, that I killed him, mission team, that even though you did a wonderful thing down in the mission field, the minute you sinned one time, you drove a nail into his hands and into his feet. 
that no matter what you've done or haven't done in your life, if you've fallen short one time, you were helping drive that nail into his hands and into his feet. However, God is good and God is bigger than death. And so the second theme in Peter's message is this, God raised him. God raised him. He said, God raised him. In other words, sin, no matter how heavy it is and no matter how, make, how much it breaks our world down, it is not big enough to hold down the son of God. He came up out of the ground. Yes, he, he died and it looked like it was over, but it wasn't. He overcame death. And as I said, these two themes, they aren't just meant for the Jews that Peter was talking to. They're meant for you and for me. I killed him. You killed him. We killed him. But because of God's goodness and God's grace and God's glory and God's strength, God raised him from the dead. And then at the end of his sermon, here's, this is the last, the first sermon, the very end of the, la, of the sermon that he gave. Here are Peter's final, mes- this is Peter's final message, and this is the response of the crowd as they hear this message. It says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who, ha- all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long t- time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 in all. 3,000 were believed and were baptized in that same day. So if what Peter says is true, that we killed him, that they killed him, but that God raised him, then he says in this passage, here is the response that we should have. If you, if you understand that we killed him and that God raised him and you believe that message, here is our response to the good news of Jesus. The first thing is this, believe the message. So wait, you're telling me it's not based on what I do? It's not based on a scale system where if, I, if my good outweighs my bad, I go to heaven, or if my bad outweighs my good, I go to hell? What, what are you saying? I'm saying that if you simply believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he overcame death, that is all you have to do to be saved. You, you have to do that and you have to repent. You have to, you have to recognize that the way of living, your point of living up to this point has to change, has to do a 180, just like that donut had to do a 180. It's the same process. We turn, when we we fix our eyes on Jesus and we do our absolute best and the second response to the good news of the gospel according to what Peter says in this passage is be baptized, be baptized. If you notice in verse 41, it says, those who believed his message were baptized. It doesn't say some who believed were baptized. It doesn't say the majority of who believed were baptized. It says those who believed were baptized, all 3,000 of them. So here are three questions that I wanna ask you today as I close very quickly that we need to ask ourselves based on what Peter said to this crowd and based on the challenge that I think he has for us today. And the first question is this, have you accepted the message of Jesus Christ? It is simple, simply a matter of belief. Do you believe that Jesus was a perfect man it was the son of God, died on the cross for my sins and for your sins, overcame death and is willing to bridge the gap, the separation between us and God. If you believe that, 
then you have accepted the message of Jesus Christ. It's simply that simple. The second question you have to ask yourself is, have you been baptized since accepting Jesus? Have you been baptized since accepting Jesus? Many of you grew up in a church, as I did, where uh, there was the practice of infant baptism, where you were baptized as a baby. And the intention behind that was pure. The idea was that the parents were, were hoping that their children would one day grow up to love God and love Jesus. And many of us are a little hesitant to get baptized because we say, well, I was already baptized as a baby. And it might hurt my parents' feelings or you know, might go against my, my, my church tradition uh, to, to get baptized after becoming a believer. But let me just question you with this. Don't you think that if your parents were sitting here right now with you, they would say the whole reason that we got you baptized is really because we were dedicating you to God. We were saying we were setting you before God and we're gonna do our best to raise you in a Christian home and we're gonna do our best and we're gonna mess up but we're gonna do our best to raise you in a Christian home. Don't you think that they would be thrilled and honored for you to be baptized after believing the message for yourself, after taking personal responsibility for the message of Jesus? So have you accepted the message of Jesus? Have you, been, have you been baptized since accepting Jesus? And number three, if not, why not? If not, why not? To be even more specific, considering the context of this conversation, if not, why not today? If not, why not today? If you believe and haven't been baptized since accepting Jesus, you have a chance tonight. You have an opportunity to publicly profess that Jesus is the Savior, to say, I am dead to sin, I was buried with Christ, and I am alive in Christ today, and the world can know I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm unashamed of what he has done in my life. I am publicly professing to everyone that's on that beach as well as to the entire world that Jesus is my Savior. You have a chance right now at the conclusion of this service, um, you can go right out into the lobby and we have a, a baptism table. And if you would like to sign up, it's simply a matter of signing up and answering a few questions to be sure that we know that you are 100% clear on the Christian faith and understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if, if, if everything is a-okay, then tonight we will see you at that water and you can confess and profess that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, his final great commission, they call it the great commission, the final thing he said before he ascended into heaven. He had already died, he, he, went, he went to the grave and now he's alive on earth for a short amount of time. The very last thing he said to his disciples was this. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. That's the first thing of all nations. Go and make disciples. Number two, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's very, very important. It's part of the great commission, the thing that we are supposed to do as believers. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Baptizing each other, making sure that we publicly profess our faith in Jesus is an extremely important part of our faith. Just like a donut, it doesn't make us, it doesn't make a donut a donut whenever the glaze is on, it doesn't make us a Christian, but it's hard to recognize a Christ follower without baptism. And remember that our faith is personal. Our faith in Jesus Christ is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for this opportunity for us to be together. And God, I pray that if there is anyone here today that has either never been baptized or doesn't remember when they were baptized, that they would feel a, a tugging of your Holy Spirit on their heart to, to sign up and be a part of baptism tonight. 
to publicly profess that you are their savior, that they're not ashamed of what you've done in their lives, that they are dead to sin, they were buried with you in the grave, and now they have come back to life as a new creation. Lord, we recognize that we're gonna sin and that we're gonna fall short over and over and over again, but that is why your grace is so big because your grace is sufficient enough even whenever we sin again, because we will, we will fall short to forgive us. But this idea of baptism is saying that I am going to live my life with you as my guide, with your Holy Spirit leading my life. And so, Father, I pray right now that if there's anyone here that has a nudge of of the Holy Spirit to to get baptized, that they would not hesitate, they would go out to the table and that they would be at the ocean tonight to profess publicly their faith in you as their savior. I thank you, Father, and it's in your name we pray, amen.